This ad-free podcast is part of your Slate Plus membership. Lucky you. Hello and welcome to this mini episode of Big Mood, Little Mood. I'm your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guest this week is Vivia Victor, a poet, author, and an associate professor of English at Michigan State University. She recently published Curb, which documents how immigrants and Americans navigate the liminal sites of everyday living. And now here we are reading a letter from a listener. I think this is actually kind of a great moment for us to move into our third letter, which is also set in a college environment. So again, we're thinking very much about how does like a university setting influence the way that we relate to others. And um, the the subject line, really, I felt very compassionate towards this letter writer who's really in the thick of it. Would you be so good as to read it for us? All right. So the subject of this letter is, wish summer would last forever. You and me both. So here goes. I'm a rising senior in college. I feel mistreated and used by Rory, who has been one of my closest friends since freshman year. When my girlfriend, a mutual friend, and I started dating more than two years ago, Rory became really angry. She gave me an ultimatum. We could only be friends if I apologized for quote-unquote lying by which I mean not telling her about the relationship until a week after it began and, quote-unquote, leaving her out. And if if I let her hit me hard across the face, so just to be clear, that was one of the conditions, if I let her hit me hard across the face. I agreed. She continues to express anger and resentment whenever my girlfriend and I are publicly affectionate. She's also, for years, relied on me to write her emails and cook her meals without any gesture towards reciprocity or even basic curiosity about my life. I honestly don't remember why I ever felt our friendship was worth saving. We've spent the summer apart, and I've had a great time hanging out with mutual friends without her and forging new friendships that have nothing to do with her. But the school year is starting soon, and I still have no idea how to end it, how to end this friendship. I'm terrified to confront her, and I'm equally uncertain that our friendship can end without outright confrontation. Can I distance myself quietly? If not, how can I tell her why I no longer want to be friends? How can I make this process less distressing for myself and less hurtful to her? And I've been having nightmares about confronting her for a year. This is really heartbreaking. I think I'll just start by saying, letter writer, I'm so sorry. Um, I understand why you have felt afraid. Um, And I I hope that we are able to offer this letter writer useful, uh, self-protective advice. Um, And and I share, letter writer, your goals. I I, I want you to be able to keep yourself safe from, from Rory. That would I think be my, my starting position. I'd love to hear um, a little bit about what, where your thoughts kind of are on this one. Yeah, Danny. You know, obviously friendships are s- complicated relationships. And this particular one immediately strikes me as a friendship um, in which power has for a long time not been shared equally or in consensual ways. Um, and I understand, you know, our letter writer's fear um, 
it's so clear from the nightmares that they're experiencing. And I don't know, this one really, it really gets me um, into, into the muscle of my life. It really gets me. In the language of the letter, I can sense that this person is afraid of their friend Rory. So I'd ask them to, I think, first consider, what is your definition of friendship? Does fear have a place in your friendship? Don't you deserve to live without fear? Don't we all? I would think that Rory's behaviors seem like bullying behaviors, um, setting ultimatums, demonstrating anger through aggression and resentment rather than considerate conversation, feeling neglected when someone else is living their own life, feeling entitled to decisions and other people's privacies, and even naturalizing physical violence. Um, as a kind of retribution. So it seems quite clear that the letter writer has recognized the power imbalance and the destructive nature of this friendship. And it's it's wonderful that they've had this lovely summer that is evidence, right? It's evidence that they've grown beyond this friendship. So kind of my my instinctual question, I guess, is why do you think you actually owe this friend an explanation? Do you think this explanation spares you from retaliation? So that's a kind of a, an umbrella, sort of a hovering question I have. Um, and in terms of advice, if they do want to still speak to a friend, I thought I could share some of my own rules for difficult conversations that I've kind of um, employed with my family and friends. And I'd suggest that, you know, Rory should have a conversation if they agree to this rule. So here are my rules. One, state the desired outcome. What do you want to happen at the end of this conversation? Two, when someone is speaking, listen to listen, not to respond. Don't interrupt. Use only I statements and only ex- describe your own experience rather than the other person's experience. And I find that when I state these and the other person keeps saying, like, I'm not going to pay attention to these rules. I'm going to disregard why you have these rules about safe conversations. Then you know that they're not ready to have that conversation with you, in which case... I guess I'll share what my friend often advises me to do, which is detach with compassion. Um, so you could try to relate to Rory by allowing them, allowing her to deal with her own problems, um, become responsible for their own issues. Um, and when I think about the history of like physical aggression here, I would recommend maybe if you're going to have a conversation uh, see if you can determine the time and place and the venue rather than letting Rory make all the calls there. And I'd advise our letter writer to um, get this out of the way so that the entire academic year isn't so stained by this this fear that they seem to be experiencing. Yeah. I appreciate all of those thoughts. I, I'm curious, do you think, I know you had mentioned at one point you wanted the letter writer to consider whether or not they wanted to have the conversation and then later talking about placement. Do you have any thoughts about what the letter writer might choose to do if they decide not to have that conversation? Because I, I think that that's a very viable option here. I, I don't think you owe Rory an explanation like in terms of just, you didn't like fail to explain, oh, it's not nice to hit your friends because they got a girlfriend. You know, you you have not like, um, if you don't have that conversation, letter writer, it does not mean that you didn't give Rory like a chance, you know? Right. Um, Here, Danny, I can only speak from my own experience as someone who's been bullied throughout, you know, I experienced bullying in middle school, like I have experienced bullying as an adult, um, as a professional. 
um, even in my 30s. And those patterns sometimes repeat themselves. And hopefully I've learned a bit more every time it happens. Um, I think those who've been bullied, which is not what I'm saying has happened here. I'm only speaking about my experience. We feel like when we want to cut off a relationship that we owe the bully an explanation because we feel that an explanation will stop us from getting more hurt. But I think in this particular context, our letter writer has no obligation, um, no social responsibility to explain why they need distance and space from somebody who is not respecting, respecting their needs to share power. Um, I don't think they do. So in, in lieu of a potentially confrontational and difficult conversation, I would also suggest um, just writing a letter to yourself. Like, dear me, this is why you stopped being friends with Rory. Here were all the reasons. And here's why I think you're right, dear me. I think uh, just a little narrative um, in a sort of uh, diaristic sense will, will really help anchor that feeling of uh, having come to a decision on that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that's a, a lovely piece of advice. I think the only things that I would add to that are, you know, letter writer, um, I hope that you are not too hard on yourself um, uh, about, you know, you say, I don't really remember why I ever felt like our friendship was worth saving. You may with time reflect on, you know, what, what this relationship meant to you or times that you felt scared, um, or hurt. Um, and I, I just want to encourage you letter writer, uh, if a party feels tempted to get mad at yourself for not doing this sooner, um, or saying, well, it's partly my fault for kind of putting up with this, I would really encourage you to be kinder in those moments. Um, it is bewildering and painful when someone we care about hurts us. And there are often a lot of reasons that one's mind might seek to try to explain it away um, as they just don't really understand what they're doing or something is causing them to act out of character. Um, that's, you know, I, I'm, I'm both glad that you have realized that you don't want to be around this person ever again, but uh, I also hope that you don't um, hold yourself into harsh a light because you've been afraid of your friend who, and, and, you know, I say friend pretty loosely, like clearly Rory is not a friend to you, even though that's the word that you have previously been using about this relationship. Um, I think the only other things that I would want to add to that would be, please share your fears with other people whose judgment you trust. Um, I don't know if you've ever shared any of this with any of your other friends. I realize that might feel vulnerable in a different way, but I would encourage you to do it, even if it's just with one or two other people, to ask for their help, because I do think that it is possible that Rory might respond by trying to harass you, trying to force unwanted conversations on you, possibly trying to hurt you physically again. I don't want to raise too many alarm bells, but I, I do want you to think about what would be some good safety plans for you that may like uh, include talking to somebody on campus uh, who's potentially associated with student life and say, you know, I'm worried about stalking or harassment and I, I want to know what my options are in terms of keeping myself safe. So I would, I would really encourage you to do that. If anybody that you share any of this with or have shared with has been inclined to minimize it or say it's not that big a deal, I would encourage you not to trust that person's judgment. It doesn't mean that they're necessarily evil monsters, just that 
for whatever reason, they are not able to understand basic principles of safety and care. And um, they are not going to be somebody who you should be seeking any more advice or guidance from. You know, again, the fear makes a lot of sense. Previously, you have felt like if you agreed to be berated or used or physically hurt, that you would potentially escape worse treatment. And that didn't work. And so, of course, it makes sense. Gosh, now if I finally say no and I really don't give her what she wants, what's she going to do then? So um, seek multiple avenues of support and protection. I hope that it does not escalate seriously, but I, I do want you to know if we have that conversation, I say, I don't want to be friends with you anymore. I don't want to try to work through this. Uh, I, I don't want you to explain why you did those things. I want to not see each other again. And I want you to respect that. You know, you don't need her permission for that. And uh, you, you may very well need to establish that with the help and support of others because she may actively try to say, you are not allowed to do that. You are not allowed to stop being my friend. If I don't agree with your reasons, uh, you have to keep being my friend until and if I ever decide you're right. Because that I don't think will ever, uh, you know, she may, I hope in, at some point in her life come to a different foundation for living and deeply regret the way that she hurt you and want to try to treat people differently, but I don't think it's going to happen overnight. And I don't think it's going to happen in such a way that will mean a friendship is ever possible between the two of you again. I think my last thought there is do be on the lookout, you know, if you have that conversation or if you don't, and if she attempts to try to convince you that you owe her renewed friendship by saying something like, well, the reason I did those things was because I was really hurt or I had something else really bad going on in my life. I don't, I don't want to say like, that doesn't matter, fuck her, but it's not important. Um, you know, everybody goes through stress or pain or fear or difficult emotions. It is incumbent upon all of us not to physically harm or bully or harass or abuse our friends and other people in our lives because we feel bad. So if somebody says, well, I only did that because I felt really, really bad and part of you is tempted to feel, gosh, oh, she felt really bad. That makes me feel bad and I should excuse it. That is, uh, a way that abusive people, you know, try to justify continued abuse. And it does not mean that it was actually justified. I'm so sorry. I wish you all the help in the world in making sure you don't have to see her or speak to her again. I do think that you will be able to make that happen. I just, I, I hope it's in the easiest possible way and it doesn't have to involve the possibility of, of escalation. I, I don't want to end just on that kind of like moment of sadness. So I just also want to, again, like really congratulate this letter writer for realizing I, that time and space away helped me realize the kind of treatment that I want to expect as a matter of course for my friends. I hope your girlfriend has been a source of stability and peace for you and encouragement. Thanks for and joining um, us on Big Mood, uh, a Little Mood. Really, really glad that Annie Lavery, um, our producer is Giselle Circus, who also composed our theme music. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash mood to sign up, to subscribe, or hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using right now. Also, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you get a minute. We'd love to know what you think. If you want more Big Mood, Little Mood, you should join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. Members get an extra episode of Big Mood, Little Mood every Friday, and you'll get to hear more advice and conversations and interview questions with our guests. And as a Slate Plus member, you'll also be supporting the show. Go to slate.com forward slash mood plus to sign up. It's just $1 for your first month. 
If you need some little advice or big advice and you'd like me to read your letter on the show, head to slate.com slash mood to find our big mood, little mood listener question form or find a link in the description of the platform you're using right now. Thanks for listening.